Black hat on check. A little CFB Nation graphic to you on check. Welcome to another marvelous episode. Today, we're going to talk about the sad truth about coaching in college football. It's a subject a lot of people don't really touch on, especially for the people who love the sport the way that we do. But I feel like if you care about the sport, if you really think that college football has the greatest regular season, if you think no sport outranks college football, I feel like that gives you a pass to be critical about the sport as well so we can kind of figure out the areas of opportunity and hopefully fix them. Governor College Football, hashtag go CFB, CFB Nation, your only college football destination. Let's get it. Governor of College Football, we're going to recap ACC. Hey, that's CJ defensive on the minds. They have to be better on that side. The expectations in our sport are out of this world. Just think about it. Like if we go back to last season, where we saw a coach like Jeff Halfley, who was on, <laughs> he was on the top of the block, did what he had to do. And was able to survive through the season and ultimately be able to save his job going into next season. But he said, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, I don't want any more of this. And he said it. And he said it loudly. He said, "It is. I want to go participate in a sport that is more about actual coaching. Now, when Nino had an interview with him last year at ACC Media Days, he kind of touched on his quality of life, how like his family understands What's at stake? He's, he spends a lot of nights at the office. You don't really get to spend a lot of time with them. So he also didn't get a chance to hang out. So he, he said, so if it's hanging out with the fellas or getting that glimpse of opportunity to hang out with his family, he's going to hang out with his family. So when it was announced that he became the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, I wasn't surprised at all just hearing in that interview how deeply he cared about his family and that he didn't get to spend a lot of time with them. Look at somebody like Nick Saban, the greatest coach ever. Granted, this season might have been, you know, his last season regardless of the outcome. But, you know, at the end of the day, he did what was best for him and his family. You know, he wants to spend that time in Florida. I believe he's an avid golfer. Those are the things that Nick Saban wants to do. Yes, he's still able to make money. Yes, he's still able to talk about the sport that he loves. He's able to be analytical, you know, with joining ESPN. But it's just, it's that. Look at somebody like Ryan Grubb. He was just introduced not too long ago as the offensive coordinator as he followed Kalen DeBoer from Washington to Tuscaloosa. And when rumors started swirling that, hey, the NFL might be interested in Ryan Grubb because, you know, Washington's offense was electric last year and the offensive line was great as well. You know, he kind of hushed all the rumors and made it clear that he was staying in Tuscaloosa. Well, he's not staying in Tuscaloosa. He's going back to Washington, back to Seattle, back to a place that he knows, probably never even sold his home, and now he gets to stay where he wants to be at. Coaching in college is not easy. Granted, I truly believe that if Alabama had any success this year, that he'd have been able to get a head coaching job, but that's might not what he wanted to do. Plus, tenure in the NFL can be bad, but most of the time, unless you're just awful, you're given at least three years to write the ship. And they got a lot of pieces in Seattle, so I don't see why they can't have instant success. Now, I'm not talking about winning the division in year one, but can they be a wild card with that seventh spot in the NFL? Possibly. We may never know. Let's talk about expectations. The expectations in this sport is truly out of this world. I think about the first 
person that I think about when I think about college football expectations, and it's not as of recent. It's just the way it's always been. Think about somebody like Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini was 67 and 27 during his tenure in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that still wasn't enough. Since when is winning 71% of your games not enough? And as you've seen since his tenure there, there hasn't been another coach that's had uh, a fourth of the success that he had there. But, you know, at the time, you know, Nebraska wanted to be Nebraska again. What they were able to do in part of the 80s and in the 90s where they dominated with being able to run the football and it took the college football world by storm, I bet if Nebraska had another shot at that, they will keep him on. Think about Dan Mullen. Dad Mullen, you know, in his 49 games, like you just think about it, just 49 games is all that he had. And his tenure there with the Florida Gators, he was 34 and 15, just shy of 70% win percentage. And it was enough. You think about what the old ball coach Steve Spurrier was able to do there. You think about what Urban Meyer was able to do there. And 34 and 15 is not enough when you Florida and you won a couple championships in the early 2000s and you won one in the nights. It's just not Enough. The expectations are out of this world. Think about somebody like Mark Rick. Mark Rick got fired with a 74% win percentage. Now, hindsight being 2020, can we say they made the right decision? Absolutely. Because what did they get? They get two national championships after firing them. So, yes, hindsight being 2020, we can say ultimately they made the right decision. But what if they didn't? It could have went a whole nother way. Mark Rick has had a lot of success and had a lot of success while he was at Georgia, but not being able to get them over the hump, you know, continuing to lose to teams like Florida or teams like Alabama. After a while, it gets old and you want to win and you know that you have all of the resources to win and you're not winning. Think about Clemson. Clemson has been 54 and 13 over the last five years. And sometimes I think we forget that. We forget how good Dabo Sweeney has been. I've been very critical of Dabo Sweeney. So has other members of the media have been critical of Dabo Sweeney. Hey, even fans down there in Clemson, South Carolina, have been extremely critical of Dabo Sweeney. But I think the differences with a lot of fans is personal. And you heard the guy that called in on the radio, and Dabo Sweeney had to friendly remind him, hey, I am that dude. I've done a lot of winning here. Don't you forget that. Yes, there's, there were some tumultuous times last season, especially in the earlier part of the season. We may even see it again because their you know, first stretch of, the, of their schedule is really difficult. But I've been critical of Dabo Sweeney, and I feel like a lot of the members of the media have been critical of Dabo Sweeney. It's not because his ability to coach. He's one hell of a ball coach. He's one of the best coaches in the nation. But it's been his inability to utilize the transfer portal has been a reason why we've been critical. And we feel like the transfer portal, especially these last few years, could have got them over the hump. But 54 and 13 over the last five years, I think a lot of times you forget that. Uh, you don't forget that he won two national championships, but you forget how much success he's truly had and how Clemson has dominated the ACC. But it's just the expectations of college football out of this world. And it's like I always say, there are no more victories in a sport that survive in advance. College football has the greatest regular season. I think there's it's the greatest sport that there is. I don't think the NFL can compete with college football. And we're going to talk about the NFL a little bit later. But just because I say that, there are still areas of opportunity for the sport. NIL and the transfer portal has made it increasingly difficult. Uh, think about it. Once upon a time, you could recruit a class 
you know, there was barely any flipping season, <laughs> you know, the one that we have now. You can recruit a class. You could probably retain probably 90 to 95% of that class and continue to grow with that class year after year. That's how Alabama was de- uh, able to develop the pipelines that they developed. That's how Florida was able to develop the pipelines that they developed. That's how Nebraska was able to develop the pipelines that they developed in the 90s. But the sport has changed so much. So here's what happened Nowadays, you recruit a class, you have a great class like the, like the Texas A&M class, incoming class in 2022, number one in the nation. But think about how many of those players left in, you know, at the end of that 2022 season. You have to continue to recruit these classes. So once upon a time, you recruit a class. Like I said earlier, you keep the class. Now you have to recruit that class. Boom. Recruit the next class. Boom. Oh, who's in a portal? Let me go grab a few of those athletes, or like Boston College did. Came out of nowhere and was one of the winners of this past season's transfer portal. And then you got to continue to recruit these players that are already on your team and made them happen, a la Caden Proctor. Think about that. The recruiting doesn't stop after a player signs their letter of intent. It just doesn't stop there. It doesn't even stop, you know, after the season. Iowa was able to keep in close contact with Caden Proctor, saw there were probably some opportunities and and getting him to come back home. They were able to officially get him to come back home. And this is the name of the game. This is where we're at in, in the sport. Recruiting is continuous. There is no all days in this sport. It's hamster on the wheel. Let's talk about why I believe that TV and NFL have a much better quality of life. And TV, we saw recently, Nick Saban, you know, joined college game day. That's what Nick Saban's week's about to be like. First and foremost, he's, he's in Florida. He'll probably get to play him some golf, do his prep work before college game days. You know, uh, college game day does a you know, phenomenal job with the interviews. They tell amazing stories. On Saturdays, you just get to be animated and have a lot of fun. Like, College Game Day is truly one of the few shows left on cable television. It's the reason why I don't own cable now that, you know, the analysts are just truly having fun on Saturdays. They're in these wild college atmospheres, and it's great. But think about it, you know, probably not even 40 hours worth of work in a week. It's not 40. <laughs> probably about 15 to 20, and that's probably high, of hours of work a week versus, you know, you get 168 hours in a week, period. You know, I go to work 50-plus hours a week, include travel, you include, you know, keeping up with the group chat and make sure and everything is, is, is going okay. Yeah, we're, we're somewhere around 60, 65, depending on the week. A coach during a week, in season, everything that they have on their table wouldn't surprise me if half of their hours that they're granted in a week, 84 to 100 hours a week, are spent working. It's it's that crazy. Think about the NFL. College football is a player sport. We clearly see that. And I on the transfer portal. It is a player sport. NFL is an owner sport. NBA is a player sport as well. But NFL is an owner sport. And it's an owner sport because you get a rookie, Right? Four-year contract. If they were picked in the first round, you got the fifth-year option. That's how I work in NFL. But imagine in year two of your NFL contract, you walk into your owner's office or your front office and say, hey, I'm demanding a trade. Jeffrey Lurie and Jerry Jones are going to laugh at you and tell you what you can do with that demand. That is the difference. That's why I feel like 
in many ways, you have a better quality of life in TV and the NFL and college. It's truly hamstring a wheel. You're working 24-7. Now, if you're competitive, you probably enjoy it. Yes, it's insanity, but you, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Just like a lot of us who, you know, talk about the sport in the offseason. Yeah, sometimes you guys probably, you know, to a cash, we probably feel like it's not a lot of storylines. There's plenty of storylines. There's always plenty to talk about. But yet, it remains that this sport is a 24-7 sport. What these coaches go through, you know, I I, I don't have pity for them because they're, they're paid handsomely for it. And, I, and they got, you know, one of them jobs that I would love to have. You know, I would switch shoes with them in a, in a heartbeat. But it's still uh, not an easy job to do. Had a lot of fun recording this. I think, you know, college football definitely needs reform. As it pertains to to the NIL and transfer portal. And I think we'll get to a point in getting there, especially with this Big Ten SEC alliance. I truly believe that we'll get to a point where we can reform, we can regulate. And it's not only, you know, easier on the athletes, it'll also be a little bit easier on these coaches. So I always like to say there are no moral victories in a sport that survive in advance. That's why college football is the greatest sport of them all. And their regular season just can't be touched. And until next time, y'all already know what it is. One. Governor of college football. We're going to recap ACC. Hey, that's CJ. Defensive minds. They have-